Shut up and sit down. Ryan Metz of the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network joining us as he always does as we get set for this week's hockey podcast here at Trib Live, Breakfast with Benz. Metz, you can hear him during the Penguin broadcast on 105.9 The X. You can hear him doing intermission, post-game, Pens Live Weekly on Saturdays with Paul Steigerwald. And now the Pens get ready to take on the Montreal Canadiens on Tuesday and then Mets near, as I can tell, it's the Rangers for the rest of the regular season. Do I have that right? Yeah, they play them, what, uh, 15 or 16 times coming down. All in New York, too, yes. All home games for the uh, the red, white, and blue Rangers, so it should be tough on the Penguins. But, yeah, it is ironic that three of their past four games, counting yesterday or past and future, will be against the New York Rangers. You don't often see that. Aside from the, um, the COVID return to play year, you know, when they came back and they were, wanted to keep teams in one city for periods of time, and that's, that's the last time we saw schedules that lined up the way this one is. So it's going to be kind of interesting. The Rangers game against the Penguins on Sunday was very interesting. I found that very entertaining. I found the pace of it interesting. I found the tone of it interesting. Um, you know, the back-and-forth nature of it, how the Rangers scored their goals. I mean, there's, there was just a lot of meat on the bone there with how both teams approach the game and how the officials let the Rangers approach the game too. What did you think about Jacob Truba doing Jacob Truba stuff again? And well, Vince Trocek doing Jacob Truba stuff too. (laughs) He certainly did. I was, I, you know, I, I heard mixed reaction to the Trocek thing for me. I didn't like it mainly because they already went tit for tat. Gino and he collided and hit each other. And then, Gino returned the favor, and then he comes back for number three from the blind side. And some people who aren't fans of Evgeny Malkin will say Gino had to see that coming, and then he embellished, and then he stayed down and tried to draw a penalty being hurt. And then on the other end of it, people were crowing and going nuts saying, hey, there should have been a penalty on the play. You hit him from behind. <laughs> yeah, and, and the puck was gone. So, uh, And I, I just don't know what that was all about. But I, I didn't like it. I was surprised there wasn't a penalty, and it resulted in a big goal for the Rangers moments later. And then Chris Kreider acted as if he just brought Jesus into the world uh, with his celebration. I mean, I, I fear that guy, Tim, because he looks like he has no emotion whatsoever, and then he exploded when he scored the goal with such hate and animus towards the crowd. He was just, like, crowing out uh, with his mouth was ajar for, what, 12 or 13 minutes afterwards. So I don't know why I had such uh, animus for the crowd. It was almost all Ranger fans. Yeah, they were awfully loud when that happened, too. I don't think I've heard a boom like that all season for a goal. But uh, the Truba thing, you know, while he didn't get Nylander's head, it was still a very Truba type of hit where there was, you know, predatory intent. It was Young late. Player. It was late. Yeah, it was it late. Was. The puck, he, he did have the puck, and, and he, he moved the puck quickly and was coming across the line. I don't think anybody would have anticipated being hit there. I saw some Rangers fans talking about, well, that's just another dumb penguin with his head down uh, skating, and they should learn by now. And I'm like, well, no, if you care about keeping your players safe, maybe we shouldn't have that kind of hit in the game. But people on that end love it, and people on this end didn't love it. I was among the people who didn't love it just because it's Jacob Truba doing that same thing yet again. Uh, and good news was it doesn't seem as if Alex Nylander was hurt. But it was all part of a, a fairly entertaining afternoon, that's for sure. How about the day before against the Flyers? 
that game, interestingly enough to me, Tim, was Penn's Flyers games are never boring. I felt very bored for, through almost two full periods, and then I wasn't anymore. And not because of the goals. It just seemed like something changed in the in the third period and it got a little bit more entertaining. I enjoyed watching Casey DeSmith uh, play goal that day. He did a really good job after he let up, by his own words, the one of the worst goals he's ever allowed in the National Hockey League. That that was kind of funny. Um, but beyond that, he played really, really solid hockey, and they needed that from him because he had been hemorrhaging goals. He hadn't looked good. So that was a pretty solid goaltending performance. And I would say the same for Jari yesterday, aside from his giveaways. He's got to stop trying to play the puck because, for whatever reason, he just simply cannot do it anymore. He throws it right into areas where he, he looks like the the Islanders of a few sprints ago. Uh, he did it against the Islanders, ironically enough, and clearly didn't know geometry at all. He shot the puck directly off the boards, and it deflected right into the slot where Zach Carisi got a scoring opportunity. And then yesterday, trying to throw it right up the middle. Lucky for him, it was Tyler Mott uh, coming down the slot, looking to try and get that puck. Because if it was a sniper such as Patrick Kane or Tarasenko or anybody else on the on the Rangers that can score, he may have been dead to rights. But overall, um, it, it was, I would say, a good weekend for Penguins goaltenders. Brian, let's go a little bit more in depth on the goaltending for a second because I want to dig back to your comments about Jar and the puck handling. And yeah, that went right through my head too when he threw the puck and of course seemed to have absolutely no recollection of the jersey he was playing against. Like of all teams, <laughs> shouldn't that resonate at that moment? Hey, wait, I shouldn't do this because of what happened against them. Um, he's a, I, I used to think he was a good puck handling goalie, and now I'm not so sure anymore. Everyone always said, you know, he brings a certain level of puck handling, handling ability to the lineup, and that's something that the Penguins could use to their advantage. That's why folks were excited about seeing how he would play in the playoffs uh, against teams because he could get the puck up and out of the zone. And he still can rim it around a little bit. He almost got burned yesterday on the one, Tim. He, he went to rim it around the boards, and it went out of play, but it did catch the glass, so he didn't get, get um, you know, penalized for, for a delay a game. But he, he just... I don't know if it's he doesn't have the ability to play the puck because he is pretty good at it. He just doesn't seem smart on those plays sometimes, and maybe it's a hockey sense thing. I know that's something that you know we talked about uh, with a couple of different people in the press box yesterday. That how do you get through to him and say, hey, you got to be smarter in these situations because he's not just doing it when the team's up by a couple goals or something. He he does a, a pass right up the middle of the ice. In a one-goal game, a tie hockey game, that could be the difference between winning and losing, and that's just completely unacceptable. How do you think what happened on Sunday portends for what we see the next two days in New York against the Rangers after the Canadians game? Uh, I think that first, I, I hope for their sake, the Penguins don't look past Montreal because they've they've given the Penguins some headaches this year. You may remember them storming back and beating the Penguins in overtime back on October 17th. Then they did a similar thing on November 12th when they beat them in overtime. So I think that's a team that doesn't go away, and they, they play with speed. Now, the good news is no Cole Caulfield, so that's something that might help the Penguins. But to the question you asked, when you look at the back-to-back -back games in Madison Square Garden, one of them is going to be on primetime at 8 o'clock on Saturday night. I, I just think that that could have the potential to simmer over again. These two teams are starting to build a, a very healthy dislike for one another, which has always been there between Pens and Rangers. I don't know that I've ever likened it to the same as as you see between the Pens and Flyers or Pens and Caps, but I think 
this is starting to trend towards the way they were in the early 90s when the Penguins and Rangers hated each other and started to kind of just deteriorate into to some ugliness from time to time. So I, I think that depending on how those hockey games go, if the Penguins have a lead in the game, which based on how they've played lately, I wouldn't be shocked to see them have a lead in both of them uh, before the decision is going to go either way. The Rangers will then start to do those things, take big hits, take some liberties, and try to draw penalties out of the Penguins. So it could be, um, I would say, a very fiery affair probably both nights on the March 16th and March 18th. Back to the Canadians part of it. Yeah, you talked about not overlooking them. I worry about this too, Brian. This feels to me like the potential for what we saw against Columbus when you know, the Penguins obviously took the ice thinking, well, this one we got, and it needed a frenetic comeback to end up going in their favor. Um, yeah. Montreal's bad. I don't think they're that bad. I would agree. I mean, there's they, they've dealt with so many injuries this year, and their goaltending's kind of up and down, but it's still a hungry young hockey team, and, and they just skate so well against the Penguins, even whenever it's not their A lineup. They bring some speed, and young players at this time of the year um, it always makes me think of the 0304 pens, Tim. When you're out of it, you just play with no regard for care. You just go out and, and look for, you know, opening eyes for next season and play spoiler to teams who need points in the standings. And that's what that 0304 Penguins team did. They beat a lot of teams they shouldn't have coming down the stretch. And I think that's what teams like Montreal are looking to do right now. They would love nothing more than to rain on the parade of of the Pittsburgh Penguins whenever they could use those two points in the standings because right now they're just six behind the Rangers for the third spot in the Metro, and I think nobody really gave them a chance to be able to catch the Rangers. I still don't believe they have much of a run in the playoffs in them, but I'm not going to be shocked if they find a way to catch New York based on what we saw yesterday and based on what we saw as of late with the Penguins running out on this 7-1-1 stretch since they lost to the Edmonton Oilers in very ugly fashion. And what could be intriguing is uh, against the Canadians, Tim, you may see Pierre-Olivier Joseph back in the lineup because now the Penguins acquired three players at the trade deadline. Two of them could be lost because Nick Bonino's unavailable with his lacerated kidney, which is just freaky to hear. But Dmitry Kulikov left their game uh, against the Rangers on Sunday uh, early in the second period, never returned, and no update was available. So you could potentially not have him which would put POJ right back in to play kind of in his hometown in Montreal. How's this for a scenario since you brought it up? Let's say for the sake of argument, they do track down the Rangers. They get third place, and then the Devils catch Carolina, and they wind up playing Carolina <laughs> in a 2-3. Because all of a sudden, seven seems pretty good to me now, because even though it's tough for them to play the Devils, and the Devils have been hard on them, I'd rather see the Devils than I would the Hurricanes, because I know what the Hurricanes do to the Penguins, and I don't know what the Devils will be in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I completely agree. And when you look at the standings, don't look now, Tim, 94 apiece for Carolina. Right, and exactly. So they are right there tied. And that that nothing would, would shock me that things like that tend to happen to the Penguins. And if they catch the Rangers, New Jersey leapfrogs Carolina, Penguins get Carolina in the first round and then are dispatched quietly into the night. I still think that New Jersey will give them a lot of headaches if they were to get into that matchup as well. But to your point, they're very young. They are very inexperienced in terms of playoff, uh, you know, exposure in recent years. And all of those young players, they may be a little bit overwhelmed with the bright lights uh, of the Stanley Cup playoffs. We've seen it in the past. And I know some people are likening the Devils at this point to the Penguins that first year when they got in with Sidney Crosby and company and 
were dispatched by the Ottawa Senators in five games and then came back to beat them the next year. So maybe that's kind of where this New Jersey team is. However, uh, they're led by, you know, a good general manager. They have a good coach who's a veteran. And they have, you know, it's not like it's a completely green team. I mean, they added Timo Meyer. Not that he has a ton of playoff experience, but he's there. Dougie Hamilton's there. Uh, those young players have been around for a while. It's not as if they're just in the league for a couple seasons. I mean, these guys have been there four, five, six years. So I think that they are ready to take that next step. So no matchup really looks good based on where the Penguins are going to be in the standings this year, Tim. Finally, Mets, what do you think of Granlin thus far? And how do you feel about Raquel going down to the third line? Um, I'll tell, I'll tell you this much. Jason Zucker has 11 goals in his last 13, Tim. That's pretty impressive. Uh, but Granlund, you know, I, I think he does bring something to the table. A lot of people hated it and I know why, and I understand why mainly due to the contract that he brings with him. But that said, uh, I think he gives you an ability to play any of the three forward positions and folks who were trying to say that he's not that fleet of foot anymore. He is one of the faster skaters on this particular roster. So I think he has that going for him. He can kill penalties. He did score a goal finally the other day. He picked up an assist, but he, as Phil Bork pointed to on our broadcast yesterday, took a bad penalty. Got to be as a veteran player coming into a new team. You got to be more in control of your stick. He wasn't when he was issued the high sticking call and I will say his team really did a great job of bailing him out. That was one of the most impressive penalty kills I'd seen in a while. Brian Rust did a diving play to deflect a puck out of the zone, and then it was Josh Archibald disrupting Mika Zibanejad as he had a wide-open net puck right there to bang it home, and he kind of got a stick on it and disrupted that whole play. So that was impressive, so they bailed him out. So I think that Granlin, he's still feeling himself into this lineup. I like the fact that they have been able to push Jeff Carter down to the fourth line due to his presence, and I still think he is better served to play third-line center than third-line wing, which allowed you to use Ricard Raquel on the third-line wing. Um, I, I, you know, it, It's hard to get your head around that because he's a very good member of the top six his entire time here in Pittsburgh, but it now gives you a little bit of depth and scoring ability on a line that had absolutely zero prior to the past couple of weeks here. So the way that Sully kind of deployed his players – even including Alex Nylander, Tim, I think that allowed them to make the move because Nylander brings some offensive upside. You could plug him in on the Geno line, bring Raquel down to the third, and so now you have three lines that are capable of some offense, and it lets you play Jeff Carter on your fourth line, limit his minutes a little bit, and I think that, you know, dare I say, and people will be throwing tomatoes, I think he's played a little bit better in that role because he's not had not been asked to do so much, and he can still kill penalties, et cetera, et cetera. So overall, the lineup looks a little bit more balanced just over the last three games here, or two games here, than it did prior to making those changes. Mets, thanks. Appreciate it. We'll do it again next week. You got a Final Four for me, or at least an NCAA champion? I don't as of yet, Tim. I was just trying to look at it before we got going here. I know you're going to be covering the action in Columbus. And I did the same thing to you last year when you asked me, and I said, I'm ill-prepared to answer the question. However... I will be better prepared as the tournament is underway when we next talk. I'm going with Houston, unless Sasser's injury is so bad that he gets limited, which could happen. Then I go with Kansas. It's all pit, Tim, don't you know? Once they once they win their play playoff or their play-in game, the rest is history. The least surprising thing about March Madness so far is pit fans feel offended and hard done by. <laughs> hey, tell your team to win more down the stretch. 
Appreciate it, Mets. We'll do it next time, all right? All right, Tim. Thanks for this. Brian Metzer, Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network.